and welcome to the Total Soccer Show. My name is Daryl Grove and I'm joined by a man who has seen Netherlands Sweden but hasn't watched USA Jamaica. His name is Taylor <laughs> Rockwell. Hello and please explain yourself. I mean priorities, man. It's all about the Women's World Cup and also we're recording this before USA Jamaica. Yeah, that's the real reason, right? <laughs> so it's going to be a quick yep. review of Netherlands Sweden, mm-hmm. uh, which in my head honestly is the other semi-final because mm-hmm. USA England. And later in today's show, we'll be reviewing USA Jamaica after the game has happened. I feel like that's the best way to do it. Yeah, that works yeah. for me. We, yeah. We've learned a lot in our time. We Review have. games after they've happened. Yes. Um, all right, should we get into Netherlands, Sweden? Mm-hmm. Okay, here's my quick review of it. Snooze. Yes. I mean, literally, right? I fell asleep at one point. And then, oh, did you really? This is why you don't watch games in your bed. It's not a good <laughs> yes, idea. It's just I, like, I what I'm going to do is lay on my side and watch it on the iPad this way. Uh, and then I was out, yeah. I learned that actually for like the 7.30 a.m. Premier League kickoffs. Mm-hmm. I tried watching them yep. on the couch and I'll just lie down and yep. watch it. Nope. Yep. Nope. It's never a good idea. <laughs> why was this dull? And why is it Sweden's fault? <laughs> I mean, I think you just answered it right there. It's because Sweden did what we've seen them do on multiple occasions. Yeah. It's very 2016, wasn't it? Yeah, so much so that maybe some people call them cowards. Uh, <laughs> yes, it's basically sitting in. Like, if, if you see the lineup, it's listed as a 4 2 3 1, I think. Yeah, it's that's not a lie. That's a huge it's a 4 4 1 1, yes. <laughs> and it's not just a 4 4 1 1, it's a 4 4 1 1 that is very compact mm-hmm. and tight mm-hmm. and dropped back on top of each other. There's oh, no space accurate. between the lines. The space on the wings, which weirdly is like what Netherlands would want, right? They would have Berenstein, who started the game she ahead did. of Van der Sanden, just saying, I thought I of you. It. I thought, you thought of you. Of me? Thank mm-hmm. you. And, and it did a lot. <laughs> Massive <laughs> difference. <laughs> And Martins <laughs> yeah. on the left. And they were able to like get the ball wide, but then there's just a bunch of Swedish players to try exactly. and get past. You cross it in, Nilla Fischer heads it away, right? Pretty the much. US has learned this yes. US learned this lesson in twenty sixteen. And I was asking you about this because like coming into this tournament, we were both very excited about the Netherlands. A lot yeah. of people had them as, I still am. Yes, well you should yeah. be. And a lot of people I had them as make the, World Cup the final. Dark Horse team and yes, and said that they might make the World Cup final. But I think the expectation was that they would do so with a bit of flair, with a bit of like, yeah, like yeah. multiple goal games where they kind of tore teams apart and we saw some of that Dutch the Dutch style, the Dutch yeah. flair to them. I so think they tried, but well, teams were sat back. Say. Yeah, that's the question is why didn't that happen? Yeah. I think you have a very good answer. Yeah, I think like, if you look at, say, the New Zealand game, mm-hmm. New Zealand kind of battled them yep. and wouldn't let them get in behind. Sweden is the most extreme example. Honestly, I think um, Swedish coach, whose name I definitely know and I'm not just looking up, uh, Gerhardsson, uh-huh. um, he looked at the Netherlands and thought, all right, this is our best chance yep. of beating this team is to frustrate them and they'll struggle to find a way through. And honestly, it's kind of credit to the Dutch. It took, what, 99 minutes because mm-hmm. it was in extra time uh, when the, the goal from uh, Gronen finally comes. Yeah. But they did eventually open Sweden up. It's just that it takes 99 minutes. Yeah, and, it's, and to complain about it, it, to me, is a little bit like the, the big bad wolf complaining about the house being made of brick. It's like, come on, this isn't fair. Like, <laughs> like how dare you build where's, a structure that's really difficult to get through? Where's all those tweak houses? <laughs> exactly. Those were more fun. I could destroy those. <laughs> so I guess we should talk about... I mean, honestly, there is not that much to talk about during the game itself. Yeah. Because um, here's the, my best example of why this was a problem for the Netherlands. You've seen Miedemar. In the past, I have. get the ball in the box and do that very calm Miedema thing where mm-hmm. she puts her foot on top of it and she just goes this way, that way, opens up a bit of space and she opens up a bit of space and, and kills you. Right? Yes. Um, in this game, I, there was this sequence in the second half, I don't know the exact minute, where she does that three times and each time she thinks she's opened up space and she strikes the ball. Yeah. Every single time it's straight into the shins of a Swedish player. I want to say it's three times in a row from progressively farther away from goal. Yeah. And I think that's a really good example of what Sweden would do into the Netherlands. I, I agree wholeheartedly because it's also the case that once you have like if your game is based on like spread wide individual moments beat them for pace that yeah. kind of opens up opportunities. If you can't beat them for pace if you can't get them behind then those opportunities aren't there so then it kind of falls to individual inspiration or improvisation yeah. and if you're a, 
a very well organized Swedish defense, which is what they were, yeah. then that kind of doesn't have as much of an effect. And you, you ready to talk about the goal? Yes. In extra time in the 99th minute from Gronin? Should, mm-hmm. should we join in the 99ers maybe? She'll get on uh, Kate Margraf and Mia Ham's WhatsApp group. Sure. She's a 99er. I think that's how it works. Yeah, I'm pretty sure yeah. you score in the 99th minute. Totally. You join the 99ers. Totally. Um, uh, so the goal, I would say the moment of individual brilliance is actually multiple people. Okay. Um, I'm not going to classify Shanice van der Sanden in that. Mm-hmm. She comes on for Berenstein. She, she gets down the right. They've, like, they were given the winger space. She gets a cross in, but it's same old, same old. Mm-hmm. Literally, Nilla Fischer heads it away. Yep. And then Sweden, I think, this is a good example of what Sweden are doing as well. They don't try and counterattack, really. They like play a long ball in behind that maybe Blackstenius could run onto, but really it's just a ball back to the Dutch defence. Right. right? Yeah. Um, okay, and then, to quote MTV... Then the magic happens. Right. This is where oh, the boy. magic happens. I feel like I'm talking us through it. Like, no, go ahead. That's fine. Wanna, I'm okay. Are you just enjoying mm-hmm. listening? <laughs> I'll just be nodding over here. All right. Yeah. So it starts with Bloodworth. Mm-hmm. Bloodworth has the ball. Did um, you know that she got her name from an American husband? They don't mention that every single game Do they mention times. it every single game? Every single game. We know now. You can we stop with it. <laughs> every single game. What's weird is it hasn't been updated some places. Like, yeah. I'm looking at a lineup right now from mm-hmm. the Google cards that you get. Um, her name is Janssen here, which I'm assuming is her... Uh, what do you call it? Maiden they're, name? They're just trying to trick you. Yeah, or maybe they just haven't listened to the Fox broadcast. That could also be. <laughs> <laughs> they watch Univision uh, at yes. Google HQ, I guess. Um, all right, so <laughs> Bloodworth has it. Yeah. Um, weirdly, the defense opens up a little hole because it's the sub that's come on, number 16, um, Olme, the defensive midfielder. Um, she starts just drifting slightly to the right, maybe thinking that there's a ball coming like, to, to Martins or, or down the left. And it's just a tiny bit of space. And it's well, dead. Martins is out at that point. Oh, Martins is out, excuse mm-hmm. me. So she, but she's looking for whoever's on the left, yeah. maybe. Um, Rude, I think, or Roared. It yeah. opens up this... Oh, is that who Callan scored in the first game? It opens up this tiny little channel that Danielle van der Dunk, kind of my favourite player, I think she's the cleverest player, um, notices. And she comes... She's originally with the centre-backs. She comes all the way back to show for it and brings... Uh, like And opens all the space mm-hmm. in that way. Yeah. Right. So she receives the ball and then Sweden... And not really in trouble. They no. don't know they are, but they are. But they are because, again, Minima and the kind of like ability and improvisation in the moment that yeah. she brings into the equation is like on display here because it's just a simple little touch uh, with the, I think, outside of the foot she uses yeah. to kind of deflect it into the path of Gronin. Because Van der Dunk finds Minima yeah. who's dragged her, I think it's Fisher. she's dra- dragged mm-hmm. a center back out with her. Yeah. yeah. But it's, but first of all, like pulling that center back out opens up space, yep. in this case, shooting space. But it also can like lull you into a false sense of security if you're that defense because their main goal threat their number nine has now dropped out of the box yeah. and is like so frustrated that she's trying to link up play and maybe hold up the ball and yeah. see what happens very Dutch style it's a little yep. bit like what Berhalter's trying to get the US to do a little bit <laughs> I mean no it's the Dutch style right to, yes. to have that yeah well I'm just saying that the Dutch oh, they, it off they here. maybe do it better yeah, yeah a little bit <laughs> uh, but yeah but instead of holding it up slowing it up trying to find another pass I think the quick little redirect the outside of the foot flick for Miedema it's, it's that throws read. everybody off it's yep. hard to read even what it is right mm-hmm. but I think that's our best guess is it's just an outside of the foot flick yeah, yeah? I think so yeah. and then in a game when both goalkeepers pulled off some pretty ridiculous saves yeah. this shot had to be exactly what it was mm-hmm. which was basically like a sniper shot it's, it's from distance what, like 20 25 yards out, maybe, yep. and it's just low, bottom corner, struck perfectly, yep. with pace behind it. I think Lindahl maybe pulls out a little bit, thinking it might be going wide, because she has a we- she's a little bit of weird form. She's not at full extension, I would say. Yeah. But I'm not even sure it would have mattered, because it's that well hit. And the key thing to me in this is, obviously, the strike is the mm-hmm. key thing. So the other key thing is how I phrase it. Um, Gronen, wearing number 14 for a Dutch national team, by the way. Yep. That's a bold move, and it I is. like it. Um, when uh, Van der Dunk receives the ball, before she plays it to Miedemar, Gronen, I think, knows what's happening. So she is off and running 
like before the move has started. Mm-hmm. And so she's essentially the third player running, which is yep. you know, that phrase of that's the hard player to mark because there's the player with the ball, the player they're passing to, and then there's the player you've got to be aware of because that's the one who's sneaking up. Yep. That's why she's in position to receive that Miedemar outside of the foot pass. Yeah. And then she's got just enough space to have this awesome strike, right? She does. Uh, but it's also like she has the space, but it's the decision-making, I think, that's the most important there. Yeah. Obviously, form technique, kind of important to put the ball in the back oh, of the net. Yeah. But when it's been a game of Sweden getting numbers behind and not giving you any shooting space, and if there is a little bit of shooting space, they end up having bodies in front to block the shot, as yeah. we already talked about, that she takes it this quickly, I think, yeah. again, kind of throws off Sweden. Not that it would have mattered because yeah. they're not reacting to a shot fast enough, yeah. but it's still the kind of decision-making and then the accuracy on top it's the difference maker do you think part of it is she recognizes for once in my life <laughs> i don't have a swedish player directly in front of me yeah um so now's the time to strike because if i slow down mm-hmm. if i try and pick a pass i could like give it back to me or someone else and they're going to have a swedish player in front of them mm-hmm. i'm in this sort of hallowed position that we've been looking for the whole game so now's the time to have a crack yeah, I mean, yeah. And, I, and i'll say uh felipe cardenas uh was on the show earlier today yes uh we talked a little bit about mexico in the gold cup and he was mm-hmm. saying one of the things that made haiti sort of difficult to deal with for mexico is that their strikers will shoot from anywhere mm-hmm. because even if it's not necessarily like a high percentage chance the idea that the attacker is going to shoot whenever makes you just a little bit more alive to it makes you a little bit more kind of paranoid about like, you have to scramble and close it down exactly yeah. and and i think you could maybe see that here that this is an example of look we're playing against a packed defense if you get the opportunity take that shot because mm-hmm. you might not have that opportunity again and in this case the chance is taken and the chance is scored yep big lin-manuel maria fan is Cronin. lin-manuel maria yeah isn't that his name lin-manuel miranda the, the guy who does uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Hamilton. Hamilton, yeah. I got his name right. Lin-Manuel Miranda. Yeah. Oh, okay, well, she's, a like, big, she's a big fan than I am. I don't even know his name. See, I don't know your puns well enough, so I don't know if, I, I don't know if that was like a portmanteau pun. If we were doing something else, now I'm with you. I'm, All right. I'm actually saying she took a shot. Okay, there we it go. It was just very awkward. <laughs> you could have just said Alexander Hamilton, Aaron Burr, but that would have been fine too. There we yeah. go, there we go. So, the World Cup final. How very anti-patriotic of you on this, the eve of July 4th, to I'm talk gonna about... I'm going to pretend I did it on purpose. People shooting each other. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so... The World Cup final it's kind of American. is Sunday, unfortunately. Yeah. Yep. Uh, the World Cup final is Sunday. It's the Netherlands versus the United States. Mm-hmm. Do you feel better about this matchup, or would you have preferred a US v. Sweden rematch, since this is kind of where... It's the last time America stumbled, right, is when we played yeah. Sweden in the Olympics. Because personally, I would have liked the rematch, the, the, and to go up against the four four one one and see if the US could break it up. I think I told you... Without hope so long. Maybe, before, maybe when Sweden, or when uh, the Netherlands-Sweden like, matchup yeah. was official, I think it was even before that, maybe, that I thought it was going to be a USA-Sweden final. Okay. That's how it felt to me. Yeah, yeah it felt uh, like the narrative was forming, right? Yes, yeah. it did. That it was like, oh, now we're going to get them again, it's yep. going to be a full-strength team instead of a rotation, but I... Th- think I am uh, more excited to play the Netherlands, even if I think they might be a bigger threat to the U.S. Oh, because, really? Yeah, to your point, they ha- they've mostly played against teams that are kind of sitting deep against them, bunkering, know their strengths, aren't going to try to concede goals. Even Canada, I would say, knew, like they knew they needed the points, they knew they needed to win, but I think they weren't going to overextend themselves yeah. and risk getting destroyed. Uh-huh. But I think the United States might be one of the few teams that they're going to play against who are going to be open. I mean, yeah. I'm not saying they're going to be wide open and reckless, but it's I think it's a more aesthetically pleasing potentially more tactically interesting game yes. than we might have seen against Sweden, which probably would have been a very defensive Sweden, yeah. bunkering, frustrating, and countering. Sir, you have convinced me. There we are. Yeah, I feel like I it would have been the narrative would have been great about the rematch with Sweden. The game would have been not so great, and it yes. might have been frustrating. This game is going to be open and entertaining, which is what you want in a World Cup final. And honestly, you don't often get. You often do not get. All right. So uh, we will call it here. We'll get to the USA Jamaica game because I think that's kicking off in about five minutes. All right. But uh, Caitlin Murray uh, will be with me on Friday to preview 
the Women's World Cup final, yep. take a look more in depth at the Netherlands, and then obviously give us some updates on some of the U.S. players, some injuries there, some potential roster changes uh, from what she may have heard. Okay, so that preview to come. Hopefully, we'll also have a Gold Cup final to preview. Hopefully. We'll find out. I mean, there'll be a Gold Cup final. Depends if we want to preview it or not, right? Yeah. We'll find out if the USA is in it as we now go and watch USA Jamaica. And we're back. We're back. It was pretty good. It was. We won 3-1. We did. It's a little nervy for a minute there. It was. For a good 10, 15 minutes. Yeah, 20 maybe. St. Christian Pulisic saved us. He did. Yeah. We're going to obviously review the entire USA v Jamaica Gold Cup semi-final. I've just realized we're going to play Mexico in the final. We certainly are. On Sunday. That's going to be exciting. But first. But first. Today's show is sponsored by Hims. Dale Grove, can I give you a riddle? Always, yeah. What do Michael Bradley and Greg Berhalter have in common? Hymns was invented too late? <laughs> they did not use hymns, was the answer. But yes, I'll take yours as well. Yes. Yours is acceptable because 66% of men start to lose their hair by the age of 35. The thing is, once you've noticed thinning hair, it can be too late, which is what Daryl was alluding to just then. I sure was. Hymns is helping guys look their best because the best way to prevent hair loss is to do something about it while you still have some. I like to just stare at my hairline in the mirror and uh, ask the hair to keep growing. That's, that seems to be pretty, pretty much working so far. I mean, it, it technically does work because <laughs> yeah. the hair will keep growing. It just weirds yeah. the hair out more yeah. than anything. Yeah, so it's like, you- I'm doing it. You just can't see it. <laughs> Check back tomorrow. But if you wanted to go with something slightly more scientific, yeah. uh, if you want to avoid staring at your hair in the mirror or uh, uh, snake pills, gas station counter supplements, uh-huh. then you should go to Hims because Hims is helping guys uh, be the best version of themselves with licensed physicians and FDA-approved products to help treat hair loss. And you don't have to go to the doctor and Mm-mm. see the doctor and Mm-mm. say to the doctor, hey, look at my hair, I need something. You, you do can not. do all of this Hey, online. I need something. Hey, I need something. the best something. way to go to the doctor. Help me out. This <laughs> is the hair loss treatment. This is in the copy. Uh-huh. The hair loss treatment everyone is talking Talking about featured in GQ, Men's Health, Esquire, and Playboy. There to we name are. a few. To I didn't name know just a few. I didn't know Playboy was still going. Nor did I. Yeah. But they're still around, I yeah. think. They're uh, doing stuff, I assume. They're doing stuff. All right. Our listeners can get started with the Hymns Complete Hair Kit for just $5 today, right now, while supplies last and subject to doctor's approval. See website for full details and safety information. This could cost hundreds. It could. I, I assume of dollars. If you went to the doctor or a pharmacy somewhere else, but go to forhims.com slash total soccer. That is spelled F O R H. I-M-S <laughs> dot com slash total soccer. The pause is optional. Uh-huh. com slash total soccer. You don't have to insert an ellipsis in there? Well, you just like, you type the first few letters, uh-huh. and you just stop. Just take a breather. Check, take a breather. Then you get back in. That makes yeah, sense. That's... Thank you very much to 4 Hims uh, for sponsoring today's episode. Now, let's talk USA-Jamaica. 3-1 to one, uh, for the United States, as Daryl already mentioned. Yep. But a weird game, because the first 15 minutes or so, it seemed like maybe it was going to finish 5-0. The United States all over it, then an hour and a half rain delay, uh, cooled things off literally and figuratively. (laughs) The U.S. was incredible Mm -hmm. in the first 15 minutes. They were. Um, Including scoring that first goal. Before we get into the goals, do you want to talk about sort of what we were so impressed with? in those first 15 minutes. What, what what was it that made us here in the studio be kind of on the edge of our seats, mm-hmm. rubbing our hands? And I was thinking, oh, the US is good now. I'm going to take this roundabout. I'm going to say sort of the lineup because I wasn't impressed with the lineup and I was a little bit nervous about what it meant. I was excited about Josie Altidore being in yep. there because I thought, mm-hmm. oh, we're going to have a guy that we can play off of up front. And yep. I think that is what we saw in the first 15 minutes. Yes. But, so you weren't impressed with, it was Reggie Cannon at right back into yep. Lima. It was Jordan Morris on the right wing. That was a big one. Boyd. Mm-hmm. There's a fourth change that I'm uh, forgetting. Matt Miazga comes in for 
Walker Zimmerman. Okay, that's kind of like for like. Right? It is. We had enjoyed uh, Zimmerman's uh, passing early yeah. on in the tournament. It seemed like he got a little bit shakier, especially against Curacao. So mm-hmm. I feel like maybe that's where Miazga comes in. Plus, maybe a little bit taller, a little bit more of a presence in the air, yeah. potentially. Okay. Um, but it was Jordan Morris, because I've really enjoyed what we've seen from Tyler Boyd. Greg Berhalter obviously did not. Uh, there were some defensive issues, it seems, against Curacao. Jordan Morris came in. Jordan Morris started today. I think he did not have a particularly good first half. Yeah. I thought he had a much better second half. He seemed to maybe have kind of adjusted to the role and what was being asked of him. Yes. And obviously ends up uh, helping create one of the goals in the second half. Okay, fair enough. Uh, I I liked the, the, the thing I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. the playing off of Altador. I think you saw the massive, massive difference when you have yes. a striker who can do what Zardes does, come deep, show for the ball, but when he gets the ball... Yep. It's a little more subtle. It's a little, frankly, cleverer mm-hmm. when Altador does it. And I think it keeps Jamaica on their toes. I think it does, too. And I think j- simply just like kind of it being Josie Altador, who is a, a reputable striker, certainly in CONCACAF. Right. And I think you saw that a little bit. Jamaica. Before. Yeah. I mean, when, when we come back from the hour and a half rain break, uh, Jamaica changed things up and also definitely start marking uh, tighter in the midfield. Mm-hmm. But Josie was one that they seemed to be marking from the get-go that everybody was kind of staying yes. to him, sticking to him. And so he wasn't... So Hector or Francis would like follow him out every time he came out, right? Yeah. Which is, you know, kind of a helpful thing because part mm-hmm. of the better system is you want to open up space. If you can pull a centre-back out of centre-back, yep. that's pretty helpful, Josie Altador. It is because as soon as he does that or as soon as the United States get opportunities on uh, either channel, then Josie Altador was getting back into the play and was getting involved and seemed like he was going to get close to getting a goal, if not get a goal. Doesn't yeah. end up happening, but I was impressed by his uh, on-the-ball work, his off-the-ball work, and then his like off-the-ball attacking work yes. all at once. And the, I think the ball would move quickly in those first yeah. 15 minutes, and Definitely the U.S. Did. was constantly opening up space, getting Pulisic in situations to run at people, uh, especially down that left, right? Mm-hmm. He was beating... Um, he would drag Williams over there and beat him, or he would just beat um, Alvis Powell. He's, whoever was there, he would mm-hmm. beat them. Yes, yeah. I mean, and so uh, you, you just saw the United States moving the ball quickly and Jamaica really struggling to find yep. any solution to what the U.S. were bringing because as soon as they would mark somebody, somebody else pops open and there was yeah. enough movement or as soon as they would track somebody into space, somebody else fills that space and then somebody else has to move and now you've got kind of Jamaica getting pulled all over the place. That would be music to Greg Berhalter's ears. Yeah. If he has heard someone like us, uh, like U.S. fans, mm-hmm. watching the game and saying that that is happening, I'm sure that is what he wants, right? It's, it's more complicated versions of Harry wants it to happen yeah but uh, as i said on that panama review when i you know had my lung rant slash lecture mm. yeah um, it's all about that positional play moving the other team around opening up gaps to exploit it is but i think it's also about finding vulnerabilities in the opposition that the opposition are presenting themselves mm-hmm. and one that stands out to me is in the fourth minute there's the uh, great flick from josie Altador plays paul Ariel into space yeah. but it's worth noting that there's a huge amount of space here and it happened a couple times in this half because i think jamaica are stepping very high to try to prevent the united states from successfully playing out of the back yeah and this is where we see zach stefan's uh long-range distribution because he just on him. he puts yeah. it on josie Altador's head yes. and josie Altador has checked into space is able to flick that one on he has defenders collapse on him. Morris out wide uh, to Ariola, I think in this one, but it might be Morris because that would make more sense given where it was played. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Isn't this one where Morris plays it across and it it's is like it's too far ahead of Altador but too far behind Ariola. Yeah, and Ariola's shot ends up getting blocked. Yes, yeah. that's that's the one. Sorry, yeah, but it's so it's but it's good like positional play from Josie Altador, and then it's just good technical ability, just like the nice little glancing flick yeah. puts it right into the path of and Jordan Morris. Doesn't seem like a recognition of it. You said uh, things that Jamaica are presenting mm-hmm. to us. It seems like they would send everybody high to pressure. Yep on the goal kicks 
but also the defense would drop deep. Mm-hmm. That seems like an obvious opportunity to go long and exploit, right? And it was. Yeah. And it was. And we did it. But then we also saw different types of long-range ball, uh, and we could maybe move to Weston McKinney's opener here because yes. I would say the, a key component here is the Bradley ball from deep. He gets the ball, but because there's been a lot of passing and movement and a little bit of rotation, he ends up kind of being in like 15 yards of space all around him, yeah. but is then able to pick his head up. He sees Reggie Cannon making a very smart run down the right-hand channel, yep. puts that ball in. Again, it's an inch it's perfect ball over the top. Right? Yep. It's that Bradley diagonal. We've it seen is. it work uh, twice now in this tournament, right? Yep. There's the, uh, the Zardes goal when mm-hmm. uh, Lima heads it back across. Yep. Very, very similar, right? Overlapping right back, Bradley diagonal, Right back gets to it. Not Cannon's head this time. Mm-hmm. He does it with his feet. But it's basically the same idea, right? Yeah. And it's a one-touch ball from Reggie Cannon, which is no mean feat given that he is running at full speed. He's trying to round a corner because he does have, I think at that point, Kamar Lawrence has, has spotted that things are happening. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and But even so, Reggie Cannon takes this ball one touch, puts it back across, doesn't try to bring it down, doesn't try to like, like head it back across or pull it back and cut it back and then reestablish possession. That one-touch pass into the box creates confusion, mm-hmm. causes a lot of problems as does the late-arriving run of Weston McKinney, and he oh, ends up finishing. Yes. So Weston McKinney bends his run from like yep. uh, top left of yeah. the box, across the top of the box, and then uh, basically in on goal. There's a yeah. point where he accelerates, and essentially uh, it's Javon Watson, I think, is tracking him, cannot quite keep up with him, right? Mm-hmm. So McKinney is always ahead of him. But this ball originally, I think, is aimed at Josie Altador. The, yeah. the pass from Cannon mm-hmm. is aimed at Josie Altador. Does Altador miscontrol this, or does Weston McKinney call him off it? I think Weston McKinney calls him off. I think because Altidore has back to goal, he's like reaching out. He's like fully extending to try to settle with his laces, yeah. which is going to be difficult to bring down. And I think he probably would have struggled to do so, but but Weston McKinney running through at full speed, and yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm assuming screaming for the ball, I think he pulls out of it and allows Weston McKinney to take it uh, in stride. But I think the other thing that's interesting about this goal is that it does, in my mind, connect to all three goals the United States scored because mm. it's secondary opportunities. In this case, it's a ball in for Josie Altador that he doesn't control either because he fails to or because he's yeah. told not to. But Weston McKinney makes a very smart run from relatively deep or relatively wide and gets into space to be able to capitalize. Yep. He's These, the third man running, yep. much like uh, Gronum was for the Netherlands. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Remember that? Yeah, it was a long time it's ago. It's been a long time <laughs> since we even talked about that game, yep. let alone when that game happened. Yep. Uh, but then, the obviously, the second and third goals, both of which are kind of rebounds to Christian Pulisic, but both of those, he stays alive to it. The second one especially, Pulisic, yeah. it's, a, it's a long run to get in a position to capitalize. Mm-hmm. And so I think you saw the kind of secondary awareness from the U.S. players here and their ability to kind of stay alive to a play even when it seemed dead. That's really impressive, right? That means these guys are in camp and sharp. Yes. Uh, one final thing on this goal, Weston McKinney's finish, I mm-hmm. think is worth talking about. Yep. I think a lot of players, you get as close to goal as McKinney is and there's a temptation to blast it, mm-hmm. right? Ariola had the opportunity earlier he did. and he tried to just fire it and I think it's blocked by either Blake or a defender, I'm not actually sure. But McKinney just takes a soft touch and then it's like, as the ball drops, it's like a half volley just mm-hmm. clip over, yep. over Andre Blake, right? Yep. It's a really nice, calm finish from a 20-year-old yep. central midfielder, Weston McKinney. And I like that he has the calmness in the moment to maybe at first he was thinking he would hit this first first time, like when he asked uh, when he calls for Josie Altero to leave it. Yeah. But then I think recognizes he's kind of advanced too quickly, too far, mm-hmm. isn't going to be able to uh, take it, but instead controls it well into his own pass so he can then finish yep. with the second touch. I enjoyed that immensely. Bonus thing I want to say is, again, if you mm-hmm. recognize the pattern of this goal yep. from when Zardes did it from the Lima header and Bradley originally with the, the diagonal, 
then you know this is a thing the US team's been working on, yeah. right? This is one of the things that encourages me, that says to me, the Greg Berhalter thing is slowly but surely working. When you see not just patterns of play, but like patterns of goals, mm-hmm. really similar looking goals, yeah. that means we almost, we definitely do have a system for scoring goals, and this is one of them, right? right? Several yeah. systems, hopefully. There we yeah. are. So it's 1-0 inside nine minutes. It yeah. seems like the US are going to get a few more, and I genuinely think they would have had we have not had the rain delay. Uh, there's stoppage of play in the 15th minute. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I think I say that not just because maybe if like things cool off a little bit, the United States doesn't quite have the momentum, but I also think it's the obvious thing of Jamaica now have time to make some changes, and yeah. they do. Which they desperately needed to do, yeah. and they may not have been able to do on the fly if the game was just progressing and not right. having the 90-minute break to talk about it. Right, and <laughs> so in that 90-minute break, I think they make two, uh, like one kind of general change, one specific change. The okay. general change is you start seeing Michael Bradley, Weston McKinney, and then Josie Altador all marked consistently. Yeah. Uh, especially Darren Maddox. Darren Maddox follows Michael Bradley everywhere yes. for the rest of the first half and then the rest of the second half until Maddox subs off. Yeah, agree. So that's one big change because now all the midfielders are kind of man-marked, so you can't play into them. If you can, they have to play it really quickly back, mm-hmm. and that's where I think the pace starts to slow down for the United States. The other one, which I think was a response to how good Reggie Cannon was in those first 15 minutes, is that Leon Bailey immediately switches yeah. sides after the restart. And he's left-footed, he and is. they went and put him over on the right because... They just thought maybe he'll have more luck against Tim yeah. Ream. I, mean, I, I think so. Uh, at halftime, the stat that I think Stu Holden gave us, uh, Leon Bailey had the fewest touches of any player on the field in the first half. Wow. And I really do think it's because Reggie Cannon was so good at getting forward aggressively but being smart with those runs forward. Yeah. that it basically, oh, no, He's asking Bailey to track back, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. Yeah. It pinned Leon Bailey back in a way that I think Jamaica did not want. Mm-hmm. So after that stoppage, when they come back out, now he's on the right side against... Tim Ream was more advanced than at times than I think we've seen. Often in a counter-pressing yeah. kind of way, right? Or you'd get involved with the US attack and it would turn over and then we would counter-press so you would see Ream very high. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that seems like a smart choice because now you're going up against a left-back who is probably going to stay back a little bit more yeah. or if he does go forward, is certainly not as uh, fleet of foot as Reggie Cannon. That's so a think, very polite way of putting yeah. that. So a couple smart changes there <laughs> from Jamaica yeah. and I really do think that's a big reason why things start to slow down a little bit at least at the end of the first half, yeah. beginning of the second half, they go right back up because Christian Pulisic gets himself a goal. Do. Before we talk about the goal, I want to talk mm-hmm. about Weston McKennie, Sure, his general game. We mentioned that the U.S. players were essentially man-marked in midfield. This is the first time I've seen Weston McKennie able to find space anyway. Mm-hmm. Right? I, think that's, I think that's really important that despite being man-marked, he managed to slip his mark several times and be available as the outlet pass for Michael Bradley or for the defenders or for if we go backwards and recycle. McKenney was constantly available and then constantly made the smart, incisive pass after he received the ball. It's the best I've seen McKenney in terms of making sure he's always involved. Yep. Right? Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go negative but kind of stay positive here. Okay. Because I also... I have no reason for thinking this aside from it's what I think might be the case. I feel like the two players who have the most license on this team to try stuff and maybe lose the ball are Christian Pulisic, number one, far and above everybody else. Yeah, yeah. dribble at someone. If you foul three times, don't worry, do it again. And maybe like one, two, three, and four are all Christian Pulisic. But then number five (laughs) is Weston McKinney. What's his license? What's he licensed to do? Is he he licensed to kill? I think he's licensed to lose the ball a little bit. I think he has license to turn and try to go at defenses if the situation Uh seems like it's on. Because he did it a couple times in the first half. And a few times it worked, a few times it didn't. But the key thing there was I never saw... There were moments when I would see that Paul Ariola try to beat somebody and it wouldn't come off. And you would see moments of frustration from the rest of the 
team. Yeah. When McKinney would do it, it felt much more like, okay, everybody drop in. We know what's happening. Michael Bradley would sit underneath Weston McKinney. I think Michael Bradley allowed McKinney to have a much freer yeah. role. Uh, so it was excellent work there for Michael Bradley. But I enjoyed that aspect of McKinney's game, that even if he wasn't in space and did have somebody on him, there were moments when he kind of backed himself to try to make something happen yep. rather than just kind of dropping the ball in and keeping the cycle going. I agree, yeah. And speaking of backing himself, the other key thing about Weston McKinney in this game, do you remember the Jamaica friendly mm-hmm. and Roldana Mihailovic essentially yep. got bullied by Jamaica's midfielders? Yeah. They tried to bully Weston McKinney and he was not having it. Mm-mm. Straight after he scores the goal, Javon Watson, the uh, 35-year-old USL Championship player from MLS, from MLS player who couldn't quite keep up with him, mm-hmm. the next time McKinney receives the ball, McKinney plays the pass. Yep. Watson comes through the back of him and smacks him to the floor. McKinney's straight back up. He is not concerned at all and he gives as good as he gets throughout this entire game. Mm-hmm. It was one of the things I was looking for in this game was, is Weston McKinney tough enough to go up against these Jamaican midfielders? And he absolutely is and was. And it was a, I think it was a key to winning the game that we didn't get pushed around in midfield. And that's really interesting because that's the same Javon Watson who then what goes through Michael Bradley, which felt like a little bit of a retaliatory yes. challenge, then goes well, that through... That was after Miazga had hit Blake, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then goes through uh, Jesse Zardes, I think, later on in the game and probably should have yeah. been sent off on maybe two different occasions. He definitely should have got a second yellow, yeah. I'm pretty sure. I think the ref was hesitant I think, to, to give it and I, I don't believe, understand why. I believe I saw the referee sort of start to reach for the card and then I think realized, like, ah, it's a second yellow. Ah, it's two to one. They're probably not going to pull this one back. You don't want that. Yeah. Right? There's no calculation if there. If it's yeah. a card, it's a card. It's right? a card. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm guessing when you saw him go for his pocket, yeah. it was 2 1 Jamaica with it like was. 10, five, that, 10 minutes to go. That's what was so strange about it is that it wasn't sort of like, ah, it's 4 0, it's 89th yeah. minute, this game's over. It was sort of like, no, that, that could easily come back and really could be a problem for the oh. United States. Luckily, it wasn't, but I did not enjoy that aspect of the officiating. All right. But we did enjoy aspects of the U.S. game, especially mm-hmm. scoring seven minutes into the second this half. This is true. Right? Yes. Christian Pulisic in the 52nd minute. If I've got this correct, this is the goal that's the rebound off of the Jordan Morris shot mm-hmm. but it starts with a Weston McKenney ball doesn't it no it starts with a Michael Bradley shout how about that it does uh, I would go even further to say it starts with Christian Pulisic having the ball on the far left touchline okay. and then I think he I think he plays it back to Ream and that's the Michael Bradley shout of Wes because he wants the ball yeah. played centrally to Weston McKenney and he steps like he essentially steps forward mm-hmm. opens the channel to yep. Weston McKenney so the space for him to pass points yep. and says Wes there's yep. no there's no doubt that Bradley has essentially no. told Tim Ream pass the ball to Weston McKenney. Yes, and this was this was I think I'm correct in saying an adjustment from Burhalter that as Jamaica started to man mark and be a little bit more aggressive, I feel like in the first 15 minutes or so we saw Weston McKinney usually a little bit higher than Michael Bradley. I think yeah. as the game went on, he was on, often like um, up and like diagonally yeah. up and to the right mm-hmm. of Bradley. And we even saw Josh Wolf's clipboard against I want to say it was against Panama. Yeah, and you could see the shape, and the shape is always Bradley central, mm-hmm. McKinney just slightly ahead and to the right. Yeah, but I do think there were moments like this sequence when Weston McKinney was deeper and yeah. did stay central because Bradley is pulled out to the left a little bit. So I think that's where Weston McKinney stays back, stays central, just in case any counterattack comes on, uh-huh. or in case there needs to be uh, an open option for passing that can then find an open option for a goal scoring. And the ball he plays yep. after he receives it. So he receives, turns, hits a ball. That, I don't know what the packing stat is, but it goes through two midfielders on yep. the way and puts Jordan Morris, mm-hmm. like, not quite in on goal, but like in, in a one-on-one situation in the right-hand channel yeah. um, inside the penalty area. Yeah and, yeah, and this is uh, like certainly part of where I think Jordan Morris has a much better second half yeah. because 
once he's sort of like in the first half when you see him trying to like drop back but block space but then get forward but then maybe go central it seemed like he was thinking it seemed like he was trying to remember like what am I supposed to do okay I go there now and this yeah, was yeah. putting Jordan Morris in a situation where like it's instinct ball into space take a touch get the shot back across you even if you don't score you're putting a shot on frame you're causing problems and that's exactly what he does yeah. this was Jordan Morris I think playing by instinct as opposed to having to remember what he's supposed to do in that moment yeah and do you remember like the few friendlies ago it was McKenna and Morris just mm-hmm. didn't understand what nope. they were supposed to be doing. We're so far beyond that now. Where yep. they, McKenny definitely understands mm-hmm. the role, even as it's evolved slightly to have him yeah. drop a little deeper. And I think for most of this game, Morris understands the role. Yeah, right? I think. I mean, I think at least for the second half, for sure. Yeah. Again, there were moments in the first half where I was frustrated. Yeah, second half much better. I uh, would, I would give him a tiny bit of credit at least for the actual for the McKenny goal mm-hmm. in the ninth minute. I think he's like hanging out just outside the area. And I think he pulls a centre back up, and it kind of opens a bit of space for Cannon to put that ball across. Mm-hmm. So I think he gets a tiny bit of credit for the first goal, even this more is, so for this one. This is interesting to hear you say because of the two of us, only one of us said I would sub Jordan Morris off at halftime, and oh, it yeah. wasn't me. I'm a, well, I'm a big Tyler Boyd fan. <laughs> there I we go. Get it. I want to get. I'm just saying that it shows shows you that he turned it around for sure. Yes, absolutely. But the reason why when we started uh, describing this play, I said I would start with Christian Pulisic is because it ends with Christian Pulisic. But it it starts with him out on the left channel on the touchline, receiving the ball, pulls in a defender, plays it to Tim Ream. That defender is Alvis Powell. Alvis Powell then tracks Christian Pulisic the entire way towards this goal. Does he track him or does he follow him? He follows him. And that's a really good – but it's a key point there. Is that, uh, it's, it's Pulisic making a run, being aware of what's happening around him and putting himself in the right space. Yeah. Whereas it's Alvis Powell sort of being half uh, attuned to what his mark is doing but also looking at whatever else is happening on the field. So that even when Powell does eventually end up kind of catching up to Christian Pulisic, he does so on the wrong side. And so I think oh, it's just – far side, not goal yeah, side. Right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And so I think it's Pulisic having that awareness but just – making a smart enough run that it kind of keeps Powell from ever getting yeah. into the right position to be able to cut that ball out. And then if you haven't seen this, as Morris is on the right-hand side is running at Francis, mm-hmm. I believe is who he's up against, he opens up just enough space to get a weird like half-chip type shot. Um, what? Play, no, right? he puts power behind this He's pretty one. hard? Okay. I, mean, that's why, I mean, that's why all that Andre Blake can do is, def- is like parry it away. That's fair. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You're mm. absolutely right. I think it's just because it's so central it feels mm-hmm. weird to me, but I mean, he manages to find enough space to get a shot away. I mean, right? But that's what I mean when I say that like Jordan Morris turning and shooting on goal is what Jordan Morris I think feels most comfortable doing. Yeah. I'm sure there are other like playing the ball with the outside of his right yeah. foot. He feels pretty comfortable with 100 meter sprint. But, he's good at that too. Yeah, that too. But like, but that's what I mean here is just like turning and shooting is a more automatic like recall thing. I think for him, so I he see. can sort of so just back himself to do it. Yeah, it. yeah, I think so. All right, and like you said, all Blake can do is parry. Like as yeah. I said, it was so powerful that all Blake <laughs> can do is parry. Um, and as you said as well, Pulisic is because he's so on his toes and aware. Mm-hmm. He is ready for that rebound, yep. not for the final time. No, and it's a good. I mean, he gets there on the end of it. I think he ends up colliding with Andre Blake into the goal. Don't matter. Balls in the net. Yep, two to one or two nil USA. And this is the problem part. At two nil, Uh Zardes is immediately up and warming up, Mm -hmm. Um, and the plan is to bring Josie Altador off and replace him with Jesse Zardes. We think we understand why. Right? Yeah. This is about Josie's hamstrings. Mm-hmm. This is about Josie's fitness. This is about game management for Josie Altador. I still stand by the argument. Altador has been fit enough to play. But Behelter said he was ready to go against Curacao, but he's not quite 100%. And you definitely can't play him every game. No. Right? And I would, my bet is he would have been taken out in this game, maybe the 60th minute, maybe the 70th minute, but. There was that weird weather delay, right? Where he Mm -hmm. played 15 minutes, then there's 90 minutes of just trying to stay loose. Then you play again, then there's half time, then you go out for the second half. That, if you've ever had hamstring problems, I know you have, I know I have at some points in my life, 
that is torture for your hamstrings. Mm-hmm. The stopping and the starting yep. and the running and the not running and the waiting. They will, they will start to uh, – you will get wear and tear on your hamstrings. You are risking a hamstring injury. So I think it was just a cautious move of, all right, it's 2-0. It's safe to take Josie off now. Let's get Zardes in. This says to me Alta does the number one striker. Yeah. Again, he's just not quite 100%. I mean, if he wasn't before this evening, he certainly is now. Because <laughs> uh, we, we had a conversation as to whether or not – I don't think I'm being hyperbolic here. Maybe I am in the moment. This, this might have been the worst – one of it was certainly top five, top ten worst performances in a U.S. national team shirt I think I've ever seen. It's Jose, it's Giassi's worst performance yes. by a mm-hmm. distance, I think. If you were like – if you're one of those people who wants to build the case against Giassi's ideas, yep. you could honestly just take this entire 35 minutes yep. and say – this is it. Yes. This is the problem. And, and there are some more obvious moments than others, but I would say the kind of the ones that bookend it are the first thing that happens when he comes on, Weston McKinney plays another excellent ball yes. into space between the two center backs. Zardes runs onto it. All he has to do is put this anywhere on frame, not right at Andre, Bra- Andre Blake, and it's a goal. Like Because it is a perfect ball for Weston McKinney. To Zardes' credit, he stayed in the pocket of space when I believe one of the center backs, maybe the holding midfielder, steps out. Yep. So it allows for that space to happen. He's so smart with his runs. That's, a, that's the annoying thing. He's so smart mm-hmm. with his runs. I think that's why Bethalter likes him, because he makes those runs, right? Yeah. But he, I mean, he redlines this it's, to go the FIFA route. Like he holds he, that shoot button too long, and he just <laughs> blasts this wide and high. Yeah, and and right there, it felt like, oh, this is going to be that type of game for Jesse Zardes. Yeah, and it kind of was. And and so that stand, that's going to be the kind of standout moment of like, oh my gosh, how do you not finish there? I would argue, not even close to his worst thing he does in this game because the more troubling one to me is how significant the drop off and the hold up play was. Yeah, that he kept trying to do what what uh, Altador did even more so maybe of being a bit more mobile being a bit I think a bit quicker was able to find space and able to drop in yeah but he's he, as good as Josie maybe at finding the space and dropping in yes it's just but, what happens when he receives but the then ball. that first touch yeah. it is at best sits underneath him or goes like goes back from the direction it came so that now he has to take another touch to retrieve it usually that ball then gets played backwards and you kind of slow down any possibility of a counterattack yeah. but more often than that than that is that he would either control the ball straight up in the air or he would try to do some of the kind of layoff moves that we f- saw from Josie Altador there's one in the first 15 I think when it's Josie kind of drops in fine space it's a ball in from Aaron Long that I think Josie kind of like flicks to Weston McKinney Weston McKinney drops to Bradley Bradley plays in Weston McKinney again I think or yeah. Maybe I've got that out of order. But that's the one where uh, Andre Blake comes out, Weston McKinney gets a touch to it, and then they can't convert. Yeah. But that's the quick combination. Oh, yeah. Andre yeah. lays it off to Bradley, and Bradley has that outside the foot. Yeah. yeah, it's a wonderful, wonderful move, but it's made possible by that quick layoff from Altador to Bradley. The technical yeah. ability to like sprint into space, then hold off a defender, and still play a perfect ball that yep. kind of kills the pace, but still gets to Bradley so that he can play a one-time yeah. ball. That's incredible. If you want to go find this, 30th minute, yeah. that's when it is. But like contrasting that with, I, I forget, oh, 86th minute is, even like uh, even after the goal, I think this one is worse. It's Jossi Zardes. It's the exact same ball, basically. It's a it's a ball played into his feet that he could drop off to Michael Bradley. Christian Pulisic is making a run. I think Paul Ariola maybe is subbed out at that point, but Christian Pulisic at least is making a run down like yeah, into that yeah, channel. Yeah. And instead of playing it to Michael Bradley, Jesse Zardes plays it two feet in front of Michael Bradley to a Jamaican defender who then takes off and there's a counterattacking opportunity. Well, Mm -hmm. speaking of... Jamaica's goal. Getting agitated. Jamaica's goal in the 69th minute. Yeah. Um, Shamar Nicholson comes on, replaces Darren Maddox, and mm-hmm. more or less immediately scores. Yeah. And I can see Darren Maddox sitting on the bench being like, oh. Yeah, I loosened the jar. I loosened the jar. <laughs> That's what happened here. So it's a Shamar Nicholson header, mm. but the Jamaican move starts 
When a ball is played out from the yep. back, I can't remember who plays it, if it's Long or Bradley. I can't remember either. Zardes is showing. Zardes receives the ball. It's, it I think freeze. it's Bradley. Yeah, I think it is too. Zardes re- like, receives the ball, goes mm-hmm. with the outside of his foot and tries to sort of accelerate away from Javon Watson. Javon Watson says no. Slide tackles, wins the ball back from this essentially loose touch from Giassi Zardes. And I would say even, like, we've only watched this a couple times. We haven't gone back and done our usual rewatch because, again, hour and a half rain delay. Uh-huh. Uh, you'll get this podcast when you get it. And you'll like <laughs> it. But I would, I even feel like Giassi Zardes is trying to do a, like, flick and go around almost yeah. and, like, meet it on the other side, but then kind of second guesses that and decides to pursue the ball. Well, the touch is heavy, right? It's too far away oh, from him. Goodness gracious. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, he... And Javon Watson pounces it. To be fair, yeah. Javon Watson would essentially, the whole game, would go through the back of people... Yep. After they played the ball, I think to either let them know you're there, it's like just go keep pounding away mm-hmm. and like grind them down. But if you actually have a loose touch and the ball is available, Javon Watson's taking it. Yeah, yeah. And this is also like the definition of why teams counterpress, why the Gagan press is effective, is because yeah. the United States has just weathered an attack. They've regained possession. They've played the ball forward. If Josie Altador is there, I think Josie Altador holds that ball up, waits for another runner, or holds it up and then plays it into the channel. But mm-hmm. here, because I think there's an expectation that, oh, Jesse Zardes will do that too, I think the United States are sort of transitioning into counterattack mode. Yeah, yeah. But Arreola when- has to sprint all the way back mm-hmm. to try and defend this. Right. Uh, and I goal. think it's because, like, the point of Gagan pressing is that you're most vulnerable when you yourself are counterattacking. Yeah. And here, as soon as Javon Watson wins that ball, he plays it wide to Leon Bailey. Now you've got Paul Arreola trying to get back into position, which means that Tim Ream has to go out. And I think then you have diffusion of responsibility because mm-hmm. neither one of them wants to fully commit because they want to make sure everybody's set behind them. Yep. But in not committing, they allow Leon Bailey's uh, time and space to be able to play the ball in with his right foot. So who is defending Bailey? Because he gets across, it's two players defending. It's, it's, Re- it's Reem and Ariola. Ariola does get back, yeah. Oh, wow. Well mm-hmm. done, Paul I think, I, think he, I think he gets back, but then gets beat, and then Tim Reem yeah. slides out, and then it's the two of them. But still, it's Paul Ariola thinking he's about to go on a like yeah. full sprint up the field instead of having to stop and get yeah. back quickly. Yeah, he, I mean, he was half right. He was yeah. doing a full sprint. <laughs> this backwards. is true. Here's the clever bit from Leon Bailey. Yeah. Very left-footed player. Mm-hmm. Very, very left-footed player. I think the way he fools, fools Reem and Ariola is he crosses with his right. Yep. I think they're ready for him to do something with his left, mm-hmm. and he just crosses with his right straight between the two of them because they're both about to try and defend the left foot. Yeah, that's, yep. the, that's the smart part mm-hmm. from Leon Bailey. Nicholson meets this header, and I'm really confused about why Miazga doesn't do a better job of either beating him to it or throwing Nicholson, like, you know, throwing him off in midair or yeah. something. I mean, it might, it might be the right-footed delivery from Bailey, uh, but it's strange to me because he, uh, Miazga is definitely tracking Nicholson. He looks back and sees where he is and I think ha- thinks he has the right position. I think he's just slow to move towards the ball. You see kind of Miazga shuffle, shuffle, shuffle out, and then he jumps as opposed to kind of sprinting forward and trying to win that ball and clear it uh, first time with his head. And I think he just never ends up getting good position. But again, he's transitioning backwards and trying to make sure like yeah. the low ball is defended, nobody else is wide open, the near mm-hmm. post is covered, but then also has to get back and try to win this ball in the air. And while, while we mention this, just to give some counterbalance to it, I think for the rest of the game, when Jamaica did put crosses in, because eventually they uh, started going wide and getting crosses yeah. in from Lawrence and Powell and Bailey um, and Fleming's as well I think Miazga and Long did a really good job of heading everything mm-hmm. away Yep, everything was like met and cleared met yeah. and cleared met and cleared except this one moment so I don't, I don't want to hold this over Miazga mm-hmm. too much yeah. it's not a great moment but I think the rest of the game he and Long did really well in terms of just heading balls away yeah. when needed yeah. I, I, I which is a basic centre back job but it has to be done I would spotlight Aaron Long because yes it's, it's a basic centre back job to win the ball in the air but Aaron Long was the one who if Jamaica went long and there were a few times when Andre Blake got frustrated and just said everybody go forward and then he booted that ball long Aaron Long was the one who agreed 
aggressively came and met that ball in the air. He yeah. was always fighting for 50-50 balls, and I appreciated that because it made it difficult for Jamaica to yep. get any sort of sustained possession going. And his pace was useful, right? Yep. Anytime there was a ball in behind, he mm-hmm. was really good at just getting there first. Like Darren Maddox is fast, yeah. right? But Long was at least, he, I don't think he's quicker, but he's fast enough to cover the ground and get to the ball first so that they, we can't be exploited in behind when we're being countered. Yeah. yeah. And I do think that it's not... We kind of like like joke that it's Darren Maddox coming off that then suddenly Jamaica are able to score, but it also makes sense to me because if your center forward or your main striker in like kind of a four two three one is tasked with sitting on Michael Bradley the entire game, yeah, you're yeah. not necessarily then thinking about getting forward and getting yeah. goals. So do you think so? Maybe when he comes on, Jamaica are two 0 down, so there's kind of like yep. oh, we'll we'll like let our striker yep. loose a little bit. Don't give him that defensive job the whole time. I think so. Yeah, that, so that makes sense. That makes sense. I think so too. Um, uh, I though am not done complaining about Jesse Zardes because oh, I want to make one more point. Um, And I'm not trying to pick on him. I'm not trying to harp on him. I've been pro-Jossie Zardes at times. But the other thing that stood out to me is that once he started – I think once he has that first miss, once he has a few uh, kind of loose – like loose controlled balls, he starts to, I think, have a quicksand game. Mm. And if you're not familiar with the quicksand game, I think it comes, in my mind, from the Replacements movie starring Keanu Reeves. <laughs> He's the best. Um, but as they do, like, once you start making mistakes, you keep making mistakes, and then you start to get in your head and you worry about, like, uh, I need this pass to go right where Daryl is, otherwise I'm going to mess up. And then once yeah. you're thinking that, it's always the right pass. Yeah, you're not just playing, of course. But then you're not <laughs> playing by instinct. You're not just playing, like, oh, there's Daryl. Because, like, if you watch Michael Bradley just play a lateral ball, he's not, like, putting a touch on it, turning and looking and being like, okay, I hope this ball gets there. It's just like, like a one-touch pass. And Jesse Zardes in this game, we started to see, even when there were sort of obvious passes on, there's one where the United States does have a counterattack. Paul Ariola has made a good overlapping run. Zardes plays it behind him. Mm-hmm. And it's not even like ridiculously behind that Ariola has to stop and run backwards, but it's just enough that he has to slow up and that kills the momentum. He's no longer kind of making the natural run. Yep. Contrast that with, again, that ball for Weston McKinney that Jordan Morris is able to take with one touch and then eventually get that shot <sighs> off and it's sort of right. in stride. It's right where he needs it to be. And those little differences start to add up. They certainly do. Mm-hmm. All right, should we switch to something more positive? Yes, I suppose which we is, We were getting really stressed mm-hmm. here in the room because it was 2-1, Jamaica were, you know, making some decent opportunities, mm-hmm. right? Um, I want to talk, like, after after we talk about this third goal, I want to talk about the U.S. defending just a little bit. Sure. Um, Christian Pulisic puts it all at ease. Yes. <laughs> With the 87th-minute goal that makes it 3-1, I really breathed out. Like, mm-hmm. big sigh of relief. Yep. I mean, one, because we're through to the Gold Cup final, and two, because it means we weren't here for an extra... 30 minutes at least after our day being 90 minutes longer yeah. than we thought it would be. Yeah, I wouldn't have been thrilled. I yeah. would not have been thrilled. Because you're getting up now. early for July 4th, right? I am indeed, yes. <laughs> but it's 87th minute. Christian Pulisic is able to uh, to get uh, goal number two for Christian Pulisic. But it's also another moment. I said earlier, I think Paul Ariola had subbed out. He did not sub out because he, uh, I think, or at least not at this point. He yeah. later does for Dan Lovitz. But yes. first, he kind of creates this goal. And again, it's the willingness just to have a shot and see what happens. It's really similar yes. to the Jordan Morris goal of it's Christian Pulisic drives forward. I think he goes for the the like the layoff pass to be taken uh, easily like a one touch shot, but it's behind. Yeah. I think Zardes and Paul Ariola Ariola recycles his run. Yeah, it's actually a bad it. cutback from Pulisic. It is. Yeah, and then Ariola is able to adapt to it quickly, lose in her gravity, and then gets that shot off and puts a lot of power behind it. Took it. me by surprise. I'm sure it took Jamaica by surprise. This it's wasn't what Paul Ariola, Paul Ariola's been doing. Right? Paul Ariola. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but no, and then it takes Andre Blake by surprise. Nice I think we probably should <laughs> uh, because he again parries a powerful shot, and this is where you. see see the kind of veteran guile of Christian Pulisic contrasted with, say, the youthful inexperience of Reggie Cannon. Oh, yeah. Reggie Cannon had a terrific game. I don't want to, like, harp on this one. I enjoyed pretty much everything I saw from Reggie Cannon. Yeah. Um, I thought his positional discipline was excellent. He was smart on the ball. He made good decisions, good defensive work, I a little bit he, annoying at times. 
for uh, Jamaica. Yeah. I appreciated that too. I think he has an assist, provided Altidore doesn't touch that oh, yeah. pass on the way through to McKenney. I'm pretty sure Cannon True. gets an assist. But here, he wants the initial ball from Christian Pulisic that Pulisic ends up squaring uh, to nobody. Yeah. Uh, Cannon has made the overlapping run. The ball doesn't come, and you see him sort of like head back, get frustrated, and he turns and he walks away from goal. Yeah. Now, you could make the argument that maybe he's getting back at a position. Oh, yeah, he's I, a right back. He's supposed yeah. to get all the way back. But he's not case. really because he's he's more so focused on like, shoot, that should have been to me, and like I'm going <laughs> to jog backwards, but like my head's kind of down. Yeah. Contrast that with Christian Pulisic who sh- – like. After he plays that ball, he's he's like falling over when he plays it. I think he loses uh, his footing a little bit. You can blame the ground if you want. But he is alive to this one, gets up, makes sure he's on side, and then is there to collect collect the rebound, takes a touch, and then finishes really well back across goal. And just that sort of difference of like, oh, the play must be dead, I'll jog backwards, versus the play might not be dead, I'm going to stay here, and no one seems to be paying attention to me, so now I can score. What do you think of the finish? I think it's excellent. I mean, yeah. I guess, as I said, it's it's back across frame uh, from Andre Blake, who's kind of getting up and trying to scramble to get back into the right spot. Yeah, I think it's it's exactly where it needed to be. Lovely finish from Christian Pulisic. So you mentioned uh, the youthful inexperience of Reggie Cannon. Mm. It occurred to me that maybe Cannon is actually older than Christian Pulisic, mm-hmm. and I've just surreptitiously looked mm-hmm. it up. He is about a year older mm-hmm. uh, than Christian Pulisic, but I think it's one of those things where Pulisic's played all those years in the Bundesliga. And Cannon's played a couple years in MLS. Yeah, I would also contrast their uh, number of appearances for the national team as and well. There's also that, yeah. yeah. That, that, that would be the kind of veteran difference that yeah. I'm going for there. But I would imagine just at Dortmund, Pulisic's mm-hmm. had those type of things yep. drilled into him, like on your toes, on your toes, on your toes. I would say so. Yeah. All right, so 3-1 to the United States. That's the final score. Personally, I'm mostly happy with this performance, especially what we did in possession of the ball. I haven't seen the stats, but I'm going to assume the U.S. had the majority profession, possession. What we did going forward, the way we moved Jamaica around, the... Midfield performance of McKenney and Bradley. This looks like a real partnership. Mm-hmm. All of that stuff. I still have some concerns about our defensive shape. Okay. The ones that I expressed after the Curacao game. I still feel like we knew the threat from Jamaica was out wide, right? And the threat was that they get the ball to the fullbacks in advance. Mm-hmm. And I think we still did. When Jamaica had the ball, we did that weird, kind of lame 4-4-2 slash 4 4 half defensive pressure thing and made it easy for Jamaica to play for the, to their fullbacks. Did we though? Did you think it was easy? Because I feel like Jamaica really struggled to get any sort of good service until that like period when the United States really started sitting off. I think we, I think when once they progressed, we collapsed, which mm-hmm. was pretty good, and we sort of had a four four two that was a lot deeper, and then we made it harder for them. But the initial phase of pressure when Jamaica were coming out of the back, I don't think we did a good job of uh, shutting that down or closing off the angles. It's almost like we conceded that and then collapsed. So I, maybe I, that was the plan? I think I disagree, to be okay, honest. Yeah, because I think in the first 15, they came out and they were all over Jamaica. It was what yeah. I said in the preview show that I was like, I want to see them go all over Jamaica and see what they can do. And I felt like we saw that kind of high pressure. Well, we, I think, we only saw pressure after we had the ball in an attack and lost it. So we saw counter pressure, okay. right? I'm talking about when it's like a Jamaican mm-hmm. goal kick and they're playing it out from the back. But see, I guess I'm still confused, though, because against Curacao, when they would play to that fullback, it felt like now everything was wide open and they had passes in the middle and passes forward and yeah. the United States sort of was all over the place and didn't know what to do whereas in this game I never saw that I feel like I didn't see Kamar Lawrence and Alvis Powell just getting down the wing because yeah. they had nobody pressuring them so maybe it's about what we did after that initial after they get out of defense mm-hmm. and they get it wide like I said we did drop back then into a more sort of conservative deeper 4-4-2 so maybe the success if we're looking for successes from this we were better in that phase right mm-hmm. we would drop back and wouldn't be so open and then we'd make it really hard for Jamaica yeah. I think I'm basically I'm looking forward to the day and again I have patience with the, the whole thing and we're working on things I'm looking forward to the day where 
the opposition centre backs have the ball, and like say say our two strikers are Pulisic and Altidore, and they just like close off all the angles and make it really hard for them to play play out of anywhere, right? Okay. So like so my argument is we don't have to agree on this, but my argument is we kind of still failed at that first wave of pressure, like half pressure, because we didn't make it hard enough for them. But once they got past midfield, we all collapsed backwards. And then there was enough of us back there, us being the U.S. men's national team, uh, that they couldn't break us down easily. To that I say we will agree to disagree. Okay, that's fair, that's fair. <laughs> yeah. um, well, our defensive shape will be tested more in the that Gold Cup final true. against a team known as Mexico. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, they're pretty decent. Uh, but yeah. I think if we have the United States playing the way they played tonight with the kind of like the passion and confidence that maybe we haven't seen. Like, like as an confidence example, is the word for tonight. We've, yeah, we've talked about Christian Pulisic a lot, but like, think how many times we saw him just trying little stuff. There's like the maybe Cruyff or like whatever the kind of the reverse turn is on that yes. touchline. That like, just I don't know if he tries in other situations. If if any other player in the U.S. is trying in that moment, but he is, and it causes problems, and it makes Jamaica sort of a little bit nervous about yep. leaving him in a one v one scenario. And so now maybe they mark him with two, but that then creates space for somebody else. So those moments from Christian Pulisic and from Weston McKinney, those moments of confidence, yep. the kind of decisive midfield performance from Michael Bradley, that's the Things type of thing working, that I want right? to see. Things mm-hmm. are working. The Bradley-McKinney partnership's working. I would also argue the Pulisic-Ariola partnership is now yep. really working. Mm-hmm. People who want to see Pulisic wide left, they're getting to see it because every time Ariola comes in field, Pulisic goes outside and he ends up on the left wing. That crosstone you talk about, mm-hmm. he's literally on the touchline. Yep. Um, I don't know if you read it, but Henry Bushnell wrote an article for Yahoo today um, talking about how Ariola basically says... Wherever Christian goes, I go the other way. If he goes inside, if he goes outside, I go inside. If he goes inside, I go outside. Mm-hmm. And he's essentially there to service Christian yeah. Pulisic, which I think is actually a smart setup, right? You take our very best player. No argument, right? Pulisic's our best player. Mm-mm. McKenny might be about to make an argument. I right was now. raising my eyebrow at he services Christian Pulisic. Well, okay, sure. okay, that sounds weird, but all right. <laughs> Pulisic, um, essentially Ariola's job is yeah. to make uh, Christian Pulisic's life easier, yeah. to make space for Christian Pulisic, to make Christian Pulisic more effective. So what we've actually done is taken our best player and then set up a system where everything is sort of set up for him to succeed. Yeah. I have not read that article, but I did see Henry Bushnell retweet it, I think at least once, maybe twice in this game when those moments happen to be like, hey, just a reminder. Be proud of it, Henry. Oh, and he was he also should. filling the 90-minute gap, right, with some – he was like, here's some, here's some reading for the, uh, yeah. the lightning delay. But, but I'm glad no you, shame in that. No, not at all. I'm glad you mentioned uh, Paul Ariola because he's the last player I wanted to make sure I mentioned. I, I really enjoyed everything I saw from him tonight. Yeah. I mean, it's – like, there are moments when he probably could have done better. He has, like, the diving header that maybe he should have let go through to Jordan Morris. Yeah. Uh, that's the one where Weston McKinney plays back across. Yeah, yeah. He has maybe the shot – from the ball from Jordan Morris that ends up getting to Paul Ariel at the back post that gets blocked or saved, again, uh-huh. depending on perspective. But I thought those moments aside, he was just a constant thorn in Jamaica's side. Yes. Caused problems, fought for the ball, overloaded one side, moved central to create space for Pulisic, yeah. spread wide to create space centrally for Christian Pulisic. Track back. I, again, I think that relationship uh, really worked yeah. well tonight. I feel like Paul Ariel is someone who you watch him on TV and or you watch him live, and maybe you're not that impressed by him, yeah. but let the opposition leave the game thinking that. Guy is a nightmare. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, think, I think you are correct. <laughs> Anything else to add? Um, I know it's getting late, so we should probably wrap this up and get it published. Let's do that. Yeah, okay. We will be off for July 4th. Um, I think Taylor will be back on Friday mm-hmm. with a billion interviews yep. that, you're, <laughs> that you're conducting. Pretty much. That will preview all those finals that are happening on Sunday. Except for Africa Cup of Nations. But oh, otherwise, yeah. yes. That final's not on Sunday, though, because that tournament's a little bit delayed. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so the three finals that happen on Sunday uh, will be previewed by the Total Soccer Show sometime soon. I just realized I should mention, I've left this right to the end, I forgot. Mm-hmm. People might be wondering why I'm on this podcast. They might. Um, because I was supposed to be doing chemotherapy today. Um, 
Long story short, essentially, they added a new drug to my regimen. Insurance hasn't approved it yet, so chemotherapy's been pushed back, right? This is not me doing a big show mid-chemo. American healthcare system, though. Yeah. So it hasn't been rejected. It's just essentially enough people are off at my insurance company that no one's been around to do the paperwork. American healthcare industry. (laughs) Thumbs up. Yeah, but every, don't worry. It's going to be okay. I'll mm-hmm. get it next week. Yep. I'll get it next week. It also means I'll be free for the final. And if not, riots. Riots. Yes. <laughs> yeah, the the Daryl Grove riots. The Daryl Grove healthcare riots of 2019. Yep. <laughs> On that weird note, <laughs> let's say, Taylor Rockwell, thank you for taking the time to talk to me today. Right back at you, buddy. Listeners, thank you for listening, and we will talk to you again soon.